Welcome to Twice Born Podcasts. My name is Mike Bailey. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to get your feedback. And if you have any questions, please go to twiceborn.net. You can also find us on social media. I hope that you find this podcast helpful and informative. God bless. And so this morning, this message, if you're a believer here today, it's to challenge us to take another step in the right direction. It's to challenge us to mature. It's to encourage us to continue forward. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you've never made that commitment, maybe you're just looking into this, this is something that that has intrigued you and and you want to learn more about it, today's a good day to be here because we're going to talk about what it means to be a follower of Christ. What does it mean to live out your faith? So one of the challenges I have as as a believer is how do I interact with the world? How as Christians, how should we interact with the world? And if you go back a slide, please. Um, This week, a lot of interesting things happened. Uh, Earlier in the week, we had the State of the Union address. And I think we can all agree um, that the State of the Union isn't very good. There's a division. There is a lot of negative right now in our country. Uh, We see this earthquake in Turkey that has devastated and caused the death of so many. We've seen this challenge of a natural disaster bringing such overwhelming situations or circumstances to people now that they have to cope with. Will they survive? Will they have clean water? How will they move forward? How will they make it? People have lost mothers and children and fathers and uh, all those relationships have been splintered there now and how do you move forward in those difficult situations? And then today our culture gets together and a lot of people get around a TV set tonight and watch a football game and some people don't care at all. It's just a social gathering. Some people put a lot of money and it could ruin them (laughs) based on the results of the game. Um, But you know there's a lot of good. There's a lot of relationship. There's a lot of laugh. There's a lot of fun. There's a lot of encouragement that happens tonight while people get together. Um, You'll probably get together with someone that you love and care about and enjoy each other's presence. So that's a very positive thing. But unfortunately uh, this night is the night that human trafficking is at its highest in the United States of America that more people are going to be abused tonight than probably any other night in the year. And that more people are going to lose money that should be paying for their children's food or or for sustenance and the basic needs of life that they're wagering and losing and destroying their own lives. So there's a devastating impact of this game that's going to be played tonight. And so all of these things are are, are in in our view, right? There's things that we must consider. How shall I live as a believer? How can I renew my mind when this is happening? How, how can I interact? What is my responsibility? What is God calling upon you and I, his church, to call out those who are to be his ambassadors? Uh, what are we to do in light of this truth? Because one of the big problems that I've seen, and I've had this conversation, and and really for my friends that are not believers, the people that I know that don't believe in Christ, one of their biggest issues with Christianity, the biggest uh, issue they have is, well, you say as Christians, uh, you can do all this bad stuff. You can sin, 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 and then ask Jesus to forgive you your sin, and then then you're not held accountable for it anymore. And they say, that seems really unfair. Right? How could someone who does all these evil, terrible, horrible things and, and they live a whole life and then right before they die they pray to receive Christ and they get to go to heaven and, and then someone who hardly does anything bad dies and is separated from God in hell? How is that fair? Right? That is a question. Many of you have heard this. Many of you have heard this uh, as a reason for not belief. And this morning the challenge I have really is what are we to do with this freedom that we're given in Christ? How can I renew my mind in God 
and I have a world that seems to be falling apart around me, and I have these things within me that are pulling me away from God, how do I live, how do we live in this freedom? What is God's expectation for us when we are freed from sin, and we are freed from the consequence of death, and we're freed to live for him, what does that mean in our day-to-day -day lives, and how can we apply that to how we live? And so that's my question. That's what I'm asking the Lord to reveal to us through his word so that we can grow and mature. And my prayer is that we would all hear from him. Our minds would be in tuned, that right now there would be no interference, right, that we would be good receptors. I want to be a receptor of the Holy Spirit. I want the Holy Spirit to teach me things. I love it when he teaches me things because it makes um, my faith grow. It makes me stronger, and it gets me excited about the kingdom. And, and if there's something worth being excited about it's not the chiefs or the eagles it's the kingdom of God I wish I had a logo for the kingdom of God so I could put it on my car right I mean the kingdom of God is worth celebrating it's worth getting excited about it is the one thing that won't let you down it is the one thing that won't disappoint it is the one thing that has no end and so to be excited today that the Holy Spirit can teach us a little bit more about being part of his kingdom is an exciting thing. And so let's submit to his word and allow him to teach us something and to grow us. So let's precede it with prayer and allow the Holy Spirit to begin his work. Father, we thank you for your love. You are holy, you are just, you are righteous. Um, Lord, there are no surprises. You know exactly what today will bring, and your heart is broken for the, for the, uh, the things that are going to happen today. The, the people that have dealt uh, with the, the, the outcome of this earthquake, Lord, the division in our country, um, the, 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 seemly, the seemingly godlessness of a nation, uh, Lord, it hurts you. It, 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 it's a burden to you to see people that will be misused tonight because of a sporting event. And, and so, Lord, Lord, I know that these things are, are things you want us to, to be on our hearts, that we would seek after you for solutions, for hope, for peace, for joy, for comfort, for resolution. And so, Lord, as we look to your word, help us to, to recognize your freedom and what the purpose of that freedom is. And, and, Lord, that we would grasp that and that we would be saturating our hearts with your truth, that we may be a reflection of your glory. Lord, you be in charge of this conversation. You declare your words to us. Help all of us to get out of the way so your spirit can reveal his truth. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do. We pray now that you protect this, protect us now as we seek after you because our flesh doesn't want to and the world doesn't want us to, but you know, we know that you want us to, so help us to be faithful as we seek after you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't been with us, we're going through the book of Romans. We're in Romans chapter 6. Uh, at, at each one of our entrances, there's something called a sermon-based study. You can pick that up. That's actually going to do a really deep dive into the entire chapter and look at each verse. I can't cover all that. We don't have time to cover up. There's just so much. But we're going to look at one aspect of Romans chapter 6. If you want to look at the totality, please take one of those sermon-based studies. You can do that in a group or on your own. Uh, but this is how we saturate it. This is how we grow. This is how we eat the bread of life and allow God to, to move us and, and to grow us. And this morning, the context of this message is really dealing with freedom. Freedom. Um, it's interesting how far we've come with the freedoms we have. Uh, we're free today that, that we're so free we have so much leisure time that so many people can get together and make chili and nachos and hot dogs and, and can paint their faces and, and can buy all of these things that represent the team that they love. That we have so much abundance in our freedom that we have so many options, right? We have so many options today. That there's just an unlimited amount of things that you can do. 
And in the scripture, we see that in Christ, in his freedom, there are options. There are choices. There are decisions we make. Um, there are things that he calls us to follow his will, and sometimes that's, that's working it out day to day. But unfortunately, our human nature is to find the loophole, right? If you've ever had kids in your, in your house, you know that they're good at finding loopholes, right, in your, in your rules. Well, you didn't say exactly that I wasn't supposed to do that completely. You're, how you phrased it wasn't totally, they, they're like little lawyers. They know they're so amazing. Like even the young, young kids are, are amazing how their flesh can help them do bad things. And how they become this super intelligent young child when it comes to doing bad things. And, and it's not just them, it's all of us, isn't it? We all struggle with, we find ways to okay bad behavior. We find ways to say, well, my flesh, I really want to do this. I'm really attracted to this. I'm really drawn to this. So I'm going to find reasons for why it's okay. And we justify it. And I would submit, most of us in this room, and I'll be the first to declare it, it is a challenge not to submit to those things in our lives. It is a challenge, even as a believer, even as a born-again, twice-born follower of Christ, it is a challenge on a day-to-day -day basis to reject the flesh and my sinful nature and to follow the Spirit at every moment. And throughout all of church history, this has been the issue of the church. What do we do with our freedom? Will our freedom lead us to do sin? And here we see, if you look in your, in your Bible, if you have a Bible, you can follow along. It'll be on the screen. It's also, uh, the references are in the study. 1 Corinthians 5.1 says, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you. And the kind of sexual immorality that's not even tolerated amongst the Gentiles. And so there's a problem within the body of Christ. He's not talking about the world. He's not talking about the university. He's not talking about the liberal media. He's talking about the church. And he says, within the church, it is reported, and it's getting as far as to me, that you are uh, indulging or you are committing a sexual sin that not even the world says is okay. Right? And so what has happened in the church at that time and that place was that they had received the grace of God through Jesus Christ on the cross. They understood that I am lost in my sin. I am separated from God eternally. That if I am not, uh, if I am not to receive this gift of salvation, I will be separated from this holy God forever in hell. They understand it in their brains. They, they recognize it. And they take action and say, I want to receive the gift of salvation. But after receiving the gift of salvation, they take that gift, that gift of freedom in Christ, they take that separation now that they have been separated from the condemnation of sin, and they use it as license to sin. They use it as, well, now it's okay for me to do this because he's just going to forgive me anyway, and it's not a big deal. Have you, ever, have you ever struggled with this, and have you ever met someone who struggled with this? It can be very easy for us in our minds to justify sin by saying, well, Jesus, he paid for it on the cross. It's not really that big a deal. He'll forgive me and we can move on. And it is a struggle and it is something we have to recognize even within the church, even within our relationships. This is why accountability and trust are so important. Because uh, we can hide things, can't we? We can hide things really well. And sometimes there isn't victory and there isn't freedom and there isn't really the power of God's presence until some of those hidden things are revealed. 
and dealt with and confessed. And so this morning, um, we need to recognize that some in the church were using the freedom in Christ as license to sin. Romans 6, as we look at uh, the passage this morning, Romans 6.15 says this, What then? Should we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? What does Paul say? Absolutely not. Right? Grace is not a license to sin. Grace doesn't say, okay, now do what you want. Now choose your own path. Grace actually opens the door to holiness. So one of the things that was so shocking to me, something that was so revolutionary to me was I knew so many good people that weren't believers. I knew, I had friends that were generous and kind. I had friends that were the kind of friend you would want. They were loyal and they would do anything for you. They were the kind of friend that other friends would brag about how good of a person they were. And I would say to myself, how can they not be a believer and be so good? How can someone be a, uh, not be a believer in Christ and yet they're kind and truthful and honest and compassionate and they have such wonderful hearts? How can that be? How does that work within the framework of what the Bible teaches us? And then the question was, was brought to my own heart. Why are they good? Why are they kind? Why are they truthful? Why are they such a great friend? Whose glory is it for? You see, you can do good things for your own glory, and it becomes sin. You can be an amazing person, a kind, warm, loving, full of all good intent, all good uh, attributes, and do it for your own goodness. And if you do it for your own goodness, you've stolen it from the Lord. You said, I will not share this glory with you. I will not actually point it in the direction of where I got it. I will own it myself. I will own my own glory. And it can be the most deceptive life of all lives. Because you've convinced yourself, I am good. I am so good that I don't need to worry about the things of sin and lostness and brokenness and separation from God. You see, this morning is, is we really don't have the ability to do anything good until we know Christ as our Savior. Until our motive is, I do it because you tell me to do it. That I'm giving you the credit, and I'm giving you the authority, and I'm following your direction. You see, in our lives, it really comes down to who is controlling my will. Is the Lord controlling my will, or are my desires and my wants and my authority controlling my will? And the challenge becomes, if I don't allow the Lord to lead me, even when I receive the Lord, I can still follow my own will. If I don't allow the Lord to be the Lord of my life, he's just the Savior. See, we like the Savior, not necessarily the Lord, because the Lord is the King. He's no longer the Lord if you say no to him. Did you know that? If you say no, he says, I, you got to stop doing that. No, he's not your Lord. You say, I don't like that idea that you've presented through your word. Well, he's not your Lord. He, you like the Savior, but don't. And this is something we have to battle. We, it, it, we're told to work out our, our salvation with fear and trembling, that these are the issues we are to think about and focus on so our minds can be renewed. Because then I realize, what is my motive? What is my motive for doing good? What is my motive for living the right way? What is my motive for not sinning? Right? Right? 
Because even as Christians, maybe you grew up in the church and you just felt guilty about sin and you didn't want to feel that guilt so you avoided sin because you didn't want to feel guilty. Is that really what we're taught to be as his followers? I think he's calling us to a place that we don't sin because we love him and he is our Lord. And that's it. It's not because I'm going to be, feel guilty if I do this. It's not because this isn't going to pay off the way I want it to pay off or I'm going to make other people see, think a certain way about me. And so we have to confront this because all of us, I, I, I'm first, we all struggle with this. And until we get honest as the church and until we start dealing with some of the things that are underneath as the church, the world will always think we're hypocrites. The world will always condemn us as holier than thou, you think you're perfect, you've got it all together, and we need to declare, we don't, but we know one who is. And that's the one I'm following, that's the one I'm obeying, is the Father. He's the one I want you to judge, not me, because I'm, I'm just a weak representation of him. And my desire is to be more like him. Romans 6.23 is a good verse to memorize. It's a good verse to have highlighted in your Bible. It's a good verse to put on your, uh, your bathroom mirror or somewhere in your car because this is a verse that leads us to a place of life. It says in the beginning of the verse, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. So I must recognize the wages of sin is death before I come to Christ and after I come to Christ. Right? They don't stop being death. So um, I can make decisions that bring death to relationships, death to opportunities, death to hope in different areas of my life because of choices that I have chosen sin to be a part of my life. The wages of sin is death. Here's something I want you to really consider. The enemy will always pay you what you deserve. Right? How many of you have ever had a job and they didn't pay you what they told you they were going to pay you? How did that make you feel? You got a little upset, right? Wait, I, I guarantee every one of us in this room get upset when we see how much the government takes out <laughs> of what our wages are supposed to be, right? The enemy never shortchanges us on our wages. He will always pay us our wages exactly to what they are. Think about it. The enemy pays your wages. The Lord gives you a gift. The enemy will pay your wages. If you lie, he'll make sure those wages are paid. If you steal, if you covet, if you slander, if you take a loophole because it's beneficial for you but hurts others. When you, when you say things you shouldn't say, the enemy's going to pay up, right? He's going to make sure that that sin has a wage, and that wage hurts you. It sucks your value from your life. Right? And so the wages of sin is death. I used to teach young people, I'd always say, you know, wages of sin is death. When you're a little kid, maybe saying a swear word is a really bad thing, and, and that seems like a big deal. And, and I have one of the kids get on my back, and I say, but you know, it doesn't seem that big, and you just kind of make it through life, and, and, and it's right there. But you know, you know what happens with sin? Does it stay small? No, your wages increase over time. Just like as you become adult, your wages increase. And all of a sudden, now it's a full-grown adult that you're carrying around on your back because you're addicted to something. And literally every part of your life is now affected by these wages. And you know what happens to those wages? They don't shrink. They keep getting bigger and bigger until there's so much wages on you that it leads to death. 
And maybe you haven't thought about sin like that. But this is what Paul is trying to communicate to the Roman church. If you're an unbeliever, your sins are going to kill you and separate you from God. If you're a believer and you continue to sin, those wages are going to weigh you down. And they're going to bring death into your life. The wages of sin is death. We cannot get around it. No matter how much we might like the sin, no matter how much we think the sin isn't a big deal, no matter how much we justify the sin, it still has a wage of death. And you will still earn that wage. And so we're called to something bigger. Next part of the verse says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. The enemy will pay your wages, but, the, but Christ will give you the gift. He'll give you the gift that you didn't deserve. He'll give you the gift of not getting what you do deserve. He'll give you an eternal gift. And that gift is not to be used to go back and get some more wages. That gift is so now you can live freely in the Lord. Yeah. Romans 6.3, or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Therefore, we, we are, were buried with him by the baptism into the death. Do you realize that baptism is a, more like a funeral of your old life? That you're putting to death your old self. That it's a funeral of your old person is now dead and now there's a new person that's alive spiritually. You have been twice born. Your old flesh is dead, now you're alive in the Lord. This morning, we need to start living like our sinful life is dead. You know what some of us do? And I, I, I'm, when I say some of us, I mean me too. We, we carry that corpse around with us and remind ourselves of it all the time. We, we're like dragging the corpse of our dead self, and we look at it and say, oh, that was me. And we'll feel guilty about it, and we feel ashamed about it, and we feel horrible about it, when we don't have to keep laying its grave. Amen. Let the dead self be dead in its grave. Stop carrying it on your back. Stop reminding yourself of what it, who you were when you were dead. Too many Christians are carrying around their dead selves. And their dead selves are impacting their future choices. Let it go. It's, it died. If we died with Christ, it is dead. He paid for it. When you bring it up, it's as though you're bringing it back to the cross. Don't bring it back. It's already dealt with. Continuing on, in the order that just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we've been unified with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Yeah. Baptism is the symbol of the, the old life dying and the new life beginning. And this new life is better than the old life. This new life is abundant. This new life now, you, are, you have the capacity to be holy. You have the ability to shine the light of Christ through your life. You now can supernaturally love people even when they're unlovable. You can have patience. You can have kindness. You can have joy in the midst of the storm. You can persevere and produce character that leads to hope because you are a new person. You are born again. You're not dead. You're alive. You 
you're spiritually renewed. If he raised from the dead and he says, I'm going to raise you with me, then you are like him. And you are raised to live an abundant life. And it doesn't just mean when you die, you go to heaven. It means today you are a spirit-filled, spirit-led child of the king. And we got to start acting that way. The church, we need to get out in the world and say, look, I know the one who made the laws. And if you want to break them, that's not a good idea because I'm his child. And I have boldness and I have bravery and I have peace and I have joy, not because of myself, but because of him. The believer is raised in the likeness of Christ. You have been raised in the likeness of Christ. If you have confessed and believed and you've put to death the old life and you're alive now in the new life, you are now Christ's ambassador to the world. When they look at you, he's saying, they're looking at me. When they listen to you, they should hear me. God wants us to know that Jesus freed us so he, we could be like Jesus. Jesus didn't free us so that we could sin or have license to sin. He freed us so that we could actually be like him. The freedom was to free us from our dead life to real life. So the question I have for you this morning, if we're going to renew our minds today and we're going to think of things that are above and not below, and we're not going to be tossed and swayed by a, by a world that changes its view on everything every day, if we're not going to fall into that trap, but we're going to be steadfast, the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, my question is, how much like Jesus do you want to be? How much... Like Jesus, do you want to be? That's it. That's what he's saying. Mike, how, how much like me do you want to be? Because you can go and make up yourself and be you. You be you and do you and see how that works out. Or you can be like me. How much do you want to be like me? How much? I think today we need to all sit and take a state of the union of our own lives. The state of the you, right? What is the state of the you today? It's easy to judge every bad thing around us because most of those things we don't have a lot of influence in. But there's a lot of things in me that are bad that I have influence over that I need to deal with. The state of you today, if we're honest, we need to confess. We need to confess that maybe we haven't been seeking Jesus the way we should be seeking Jesus. That maybe this has kind of been the routine, not the passion or the drive of our lives. That maybe this is just something we do because we've always done it, but it doesn't really define us. It doesn't drive us. It doesn't motivate us. It doesn't determine our decisions. We have to be willing to confess that and hand it over to the Lord and say, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I no longer want to be led by the flesh. I no longer want to be led by my own desires, but I want to be renewed in you every day so that your will, your good and perfect will can be in my life. There's some things that you need to let go of, some dead stuff in your life. You just need to just let it die. 
there's some sin in your past that you just need to bury it and forget about it. It doesn't need any flowers. It doesn't need to be remembered. It needs to be forgotten. There's some sin in your life. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, it was horrible. But it's paid for, and the gift has been given, and you no longer need to own it. And you definitely don't need to carry it. And so let it go. And you know, there's some things we hold against other people. We've got to let that dead stuff go. Because the more it makes us mad, the more it makes us bitter, it's alive then. And it's a seed of bitterness, and it's destructive. And we're not living in freedom, we're living in the wages of sin. I had a pastor tell me this week that he always prayed for his church to have a holy unhappiness with where they were. To never be satisfied. To always seek God a little bit more. To always want him a little bit more. Because, listen, we can take, we can take a clue from the world. There are so many people who want a little bit more money. A little bit more. It's like they asked the richest man, you know, how much is enough? A little bit more. Right? I want, to, I want people to ask me, how much is enough of Jesus? A little bit more. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. Because I know that nothing else compares. Nothing else satisfies. Nothing else gives life. Do you want them a little bit more? I would encourage you every single day, not just on Sunday, not just when you meet with a group, not just when these times that you're committed to the Lord are here, but every day thinking about the grace that God has given you, the gift of salvation, the freedom you have now to live for him, that every single day of your life in some way or another you would reflect on your freedom, that you would live it out, that you would say, I claim this because I am this. This is my identity in Christ. And I want to be as much like him as I possibly can. That every day you'd commit to that. And as you see the world and those thoughts and that, that old deadness coming back, that you would reject it and that you would pursue God even more. I think it's important for us every day to ask Jesus for wisdom on how to be like him. You see, the beautiful thing is you can go right to the source, right? I don't have to wonder how to be like Jesus. I can go to Jesus. Jesus, how should I treat my wife? How should I treat my kids? How should I do my job? How should I be a citizen? Jesus, what, how should I spend my energy? How should I spend my thoughts? Should I be having these thoughts, Jesus? Do you know the beautiful thing is he always answers. He doesn't give any loopholes. <laughs> he says, if I'm king, this is the way. So this morning, it's clear. What do we do with it? What do you do with it? What do I do with it? What is God saying to you? Throughout the entirety of his word, it's his word. It's words to our hearts. It's words to our souls. It's words that he wants us to hear and understand and apply. What is he saying? And what will you do with what he's saying? How will you move forward from this place? How will you prepare yourself for his return? You see, the beauty of this is it's not our perfection, it's his perfection. It's not our victory, it's his victory. It's like being the backup quarterback on the Super Bowl winning team. You still get the ring, even though you didn't have to do any of the hard work. 
We are part of the victors. We are part of the, the celebration. We just need to live into that now. And so many people, they question this is, if this is real or not because they don't know if it's real to us. So many people question Christianity, not because of Jesus, not because of doctrine, but because of how his followers live. And they're looking and listening and saying, is it real? Show me. Show me that it's real in your life. That's our goal. That's what we must submit to. If you would close your eyes and bow your heads, I just for a moment, Father God, as you speak to us, help us to understand. Help us to receive and believe.